This is your boy, Deacon Dawit Muluna, back at it again for another season of a podcast for my second book that I published last year, Hopeless Romantic, The Untold History of Ethiopia. I thought it was only appropriate that I bless you guys with another season of a podcast. Obviously, a lot has happened since the last time I had a podcast and uh the world looks a lot different. Our country looks a lot different. And just wanted to come here and talk about the book. I, I hopefully get uh, people excited. But if you guys have uh, heard my previous podcast, you guys know what time it is. It's time for prayer. Let's gather our thoughts so that we do this. We kick this season off the right way. And then name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Dear Lord. I ask you to guide me and grant me your wisdom as we embark on a new journey. I ask that we discuss here today's serves to heal many wounds that have emerged in the midst of the conflict in Ethiopia. Heavenly Father, I ask you to bring peace to the nation. Receive the souls of the fallen ones. Be with their family. Provide comfort for them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In the intercession of the Virgin Mary and the angels and saints, we pray. Amen. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Time flies and so does everything else in this world. And here we are uh, yet again, another year. It's the beginning of 2020 when I'm recording this episode. And yeah, a lot has happened. Now, like I said, this um, the reason why I, I decided to do a podcast is I, I think you could get a lot across a podcast that you won't be able to get through the book. And you know what? I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to be very open with you guys and say I'm I'm quite disappointed. And I'm disappointed because I've seen that people really don't like to read. And I kind of knew it. I just didn't know it was an epidemic. Like, it's a serious epidemic. People would rather go on social media and debate about history instead of taking a minute just to pick up a book and and, and read it. Now, I've really invested a lot into my new book, Hopeless Romantic, The Untold History of Ethiopia. So if you're listening to this podcast, but you didn't get a chance to get the book, get the book. Um because it's not enough just to like say, yeah, there's some guy that says, you know, this is the history. But it's important to take the time to read and uh, and support, you know, people like um, especially when we have like young authors and stuff like that. It's important to support. I'm not just saying that because it's me or maybe I am. Who knows? But at the end of the day, it's important to support one another. So, you know, get the book and make sure you read it, read it. And then, you know, and then have some conversations about it. Uh, if you don't follow me already on Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram, dmuluna, or Twitter. Uh, and then I really appreciate everybody uh, uh, who's been supporting me financially. It really does mean a lot. I, you know, <laughs> I don't really have like a steady job. 
So I'm getting by what with by what you guys are supporting me with. So it really does mean a lot. If you want to become a supporter and become a patron, uh, I do have a page on patron.podbean.com forward slash Dawit Muluna. Again, that's patron, P-A-T-R-O-N dot podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com forward slash Dawit Muluna. And you can participate there. So let me just outline what I'm planning to accomplish in this season, right? So I had very specific things that I wanted to accomplish in the previous season for I Need Answers. And for this season, I'm going to be talking about, again, my new book, Hopeless Romantic, The Untold History of Ethiopia. What I hope to do and accomplish is, one, I want to talk to you guys obviously about the history of Ethiopia. I want to accomplish what the book is trying to do. I want to get you guys to be aware of the history. But more importantly, I want you guys to understand there is a big problem going on right now and I'm trying to raise awareness to it and I'm not sure if I'm doing it enough justice and that is our history has been stolen. It's been hijacked. Um, even since the writing of forget about, uh, I need answers, but even since hopeless romantic, a lot of things have transpired. Uh, the, the headline is I'm, I'm no longer a part of Catholic university. Uh, it hasn't been made official, but by the time you probably hear this podcast, I'll probably not be at that university. Uh, I, I'm no longer a PhD student at Catholic University. What that means in the future, where that where that's gonna take me, I have no idea. But and I I I'm, I, I don't know how much I want to get into it in this podcast. But a lot has happened, and uh, our our history stolen. And I know I'm being ambiguous. I know I'm not. You know I'm being vague here, but. There's some stuff that I'm a, I can talk about and there's certain things that I just I can't I still cannot talk about um, because of writing this book and all the stuff that's transpired since. Um, but I do want to bring you guys awareness of of exactly what's happening in, in, in uh, the West, especially in Western universities, uh, a little bit at Catholic University that I had the pleasure or displeasure of of. Um, being introduced to, but more importantly, there's things going on in Germany at Hamburg University, and um, how our 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 history has been hijacked. So I'm gonna be talking a lot about that, uh, and, and depending on how I feel, I'll, I'll get into more details about it. But I do want to talk about the history and get get you guys to understand how history is is approached and and what we should do. When we talk about it. So in this episode, that's kind of like the overview of, of the season. But this episode, I just want to uh, highlight some of the the events that inspired me to write the book. And I, I talk about in the introduction of my book. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I don't <laughs> I don't consider myself to be an author. It's not like every day I sit down and I'm like, all right, what's the next book I'm going to write? So like with my first book, I Need Answers, 
the timing was just right and perfect because everyone was asking about the Ethiopian Orthodox Daughter Church. I spent the previous 10 years of my life, if not more, answering questions to a lot of the youth. And, you know, it's it's a lot of the questions are, are repetitive, right? Why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to fast? Why do I need a confession father? Is homosexuality a sin? These are questions that I get all the time and my answers don't change. So it I thought was beneficial um, to provide a book. So, you know, you could say, hey, here's a book that you could read about it. It was very successful. I mean, and thank you. Like, I mean, a lot of people reached out to me and, and, and told me how how much of an impact it had on them. And that's all through the grace of God. Obviously, since the last book, uh, the world is a lot different, right? So we have this thing called COVID. And um, here we sit in 2022 with another uh, variant, the Omicron. Uh, and then, you know, you know, I, I, I have to say it. I apologize. I know I'm, I've set some listeners, but get vaccinated, get the booster vaccinations work. I apologize people. I feel like I lost half of my listeners just about right now, but I believe in vaccination. Uh, and, and my brother is a pharmacist. So I believe in drugs. I apologize. I apologize. I had to do it. I had to do it. I apologize for all my listeners. Uh, please still support me and become my patron. I still love you. So, but obviously something that did not prepare any of us is this um, conflict in Ethiopia. And, you know, like, growing up in America, I like, you hear conflicts in Ethiopia. I've seen people protest from time to time. I've never, ever been out on a protest, not because uh, I don't think they're important, just because it's, like, I, I do things differently. I believe my contribution to my country is through different means. So when conflicts first were arising, like I didn't want to get involved. Right. Um, and I didn't say anything, especially if you guys recall the initial wave of problems were, um, with uh, the Oromo protests. And we, that was the first scene that we saw, like people kind of saying, Hey, what's going on? And this like major, shift in Ethiopian politics and you know one of the pushbacks that I've got is as a deacon of the Ethiopian Orthodox Sohado Church I should keep quiet like my job is to preach about Jesus and God and and not get um you know caught up in the politics but the irony of that is like before the conflict with Tigray started it was the opposite. A lot of people were hitting me up saying, you as a deacon of the church should speak up about what's going on. And pro- probably at this point, I should say, like, if you read church history, church fathers, deacons, clergy members always spoke up about the current problems that the people were facing. Part of the reason why the civil rights movement was successful is because Martin Luther King and other civil rights uh, 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 activists realized that you cannot get like people to talk about Jesus and the kingdom of heaven without addressing their main concerns that they were facing, which is racism, which is uh, poverty, which is 
the economic crisis that was happening in the black communities. So a lot of the churches became a safe haven for uh, talking about the like day to day issues they were facing. So Monday through Friday, they would go to work. They would be um, uh, discriminated against. They would uh, uh, work at the low wages and all that stuff. But then when they went to church, they didn't ignore those problems and acted like everything was was perfect. They addressed those issues and then refilled them so that when they went back to work on Monday, they had enough energy to get through the week. So and and and, and that's just the civil rights movement. But when we go back in history, you'll see that anytime there was a major problem in the society, the current events were addressed at church by clergy. This is practice throughout church history so i'm saying all this to say that as a clergy member i believe we do have an obligation to address the concerns of the people now when it comes to the politics of ethiopia the reality is like the youth which is the people that i minister honestly did not care about the politics until the past two, three years. So, yes, there were conflicts in Ethiopia prior to the last two, three years, but the youth honestly didn't care. So they came to the church. They, you know, would just try to connect with God. But if I sat there and talked to them about politics, nobody would, would care, including myself. So you're never going to hear any sermon of mine addressing the politics up until about the time that Abi came into power because that's what that's when it became a concern to the people that I serve. And and I should probably <laughs> if you've been following me on social media, you would recognize that like my stance on on the politics has drastically changed. But today I'm not going to talk about like the, my change in the politics and why I changed it. Trust me, I'll talk about that in this season, just not today. Today I want to talk about the initial phases and what I went through, why I did what I did and how um, I came to writing this book. So, again, I never saw politics affecting the youth. But when the conflict started with um, the Tigrayan region, for the first time in my life, I saw youth groups fighting with each other. I've always heard parents arguing about politics, and that's nothing new. But I've never in my lifetime have seen the youth fighting about politics and this affected YOTC the group that I served with right the Christian group that I served with and it, including members that were affiliated with our group who happened to be uh, Tigrayan felt like they were no longer they could be, no longer be part of the group and it wasn't just in the YOTC it was people across the board who felt like they could no longer be part of the Ethiopian Orthodox Sahara Church and, and and they weren't just walking back, but people like friends were arguing about politics. And and I had folks DMing me of like screenshots of like, you know, people would talk about. So are you saying that Tigrayan should die? And it's like, but the PLF did this for the past 27 years. And it's like, well, you, you did this and you did that. And people literally were fighting about politics, not only were they fighting about politics, but it was entering into the church. 
and it was affecting the church directly. At this point, I do have to speak up. So my first call of action was peace, love, unity, and to focus on, you know, uh, the gospel. And while acknowledging that it was a difficult time. So it wasn't about taking sides. It was about acknowledging both sides. But I have to say, especially in the initial stages, like it was so frustrating hearing people talk about politics because most of it was like, my mom said that TPLF is a terrorist group. Well, my mom said that Abu is a dictator and people would fight over that. It's not like the truth of the matter is a lot of us who grew up in America, we don't know anything about the politics other than what we were being told, at least in the initial stages. Most of us did not do our due diligence and, 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 and we didn't read articles. We didn't take time to talk to uh, people who were directly affected. We just heard what our family members had, had to say and we took it as the final word. So, but again, my my thing is I could sympathize with literally both sides of the spectrum, right? When you have a, a Tigrayan youth telling you that their family members are in danger and they can't talk to their uncle because of the, um, the you know, internet being down and electricity not being operating in the Tigrayan region, that's not something like a, an appropriate answer to that can't be well, TPLF did this for 27 years. As a human being, you're obligated to sympathize with a person who's literally telling you, I don't know how my family members are doing. The appropriate answer cannot and should not be, uh, they're probably lying about this. They're being paid. And on the other spectrum, when someone is, is saying, look, TPLF, is the reason why my family members were arrested. TPLF is the reason why, like, the people that I love, all these things happened to them. It happened to me. The appropriate answer cannot be, oh, you're an Abiy supporter. That just can't be it. We, as human beings, we have to relate on a human level and at least acknowledge the, that person's pain as they're retelling it to us, right? So... When I was hearing like these both sides talking, it's when I decided to speak up. Before being very like taking a very extreme approach, I really did take my time to hear what people had to say. And what I did was I I sat down and I heard the perspective of the people who were supporting Abi or or even the people who I shouldn't even say supporting Abi, but who are anti TPLF. Right. So I heard the grievances and I also took the time to literally sit down and I, I joining these like Tigrayan youth interest groups and hearing people talk about the problem. And there was a lot of stuff that I heard, which I sympathized with, like I told you, with the whole family issue and, and stuff like that. But on the other spectrum. I've got to be honest and say there was some rhetoric that I heard, which not only was wrong and inaccurate, but quite alarming. And one um, interest group that I attend attended and it was meant for like the Tigrayan youth, there were adults there 
telling the youth, and most of the youth were diaspora. And when I say youth, I'm talking about late teens, early 20s, and maybe even some 30s. But the adults were telling them that the war on Tigray was a war against everyone who speaks Tigrinya. And I'll play the audio in a minute, but there was a mother on there who literally was saying, they are coming for you. Get ready. And here is the audio. Yeah, yeah, speak. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone else. Um, I, I don't want to take much time. I just want to congratulate all of you, all of you who have organized this, who are attending this, who are articulating you know, the opinions of so many voiceless uh, Tigrayans and peace-loving nation. Uh, as a mother of maybe most of you, I am proud to see the children of Tagaru and Eritreans as well, to sit here wherever you are, to stand for humanity, not only to stand for humanity, to stand for the dignity of your people, to stand against the existential war against Tagaru and any Tigrinya speaking. By the way, Eritreans do not have any illusion that this war is not your war. This war is about anyone, anyone who speaks Tigrinya. The war in Tigray is not about a war against TPLF. It is a war about stealing the history of Tigray, stealing uh, the land of Tigray, stealing the dignity of Tigray, and basically erasing Tigray from the land of Ethiopia. So don't have any illusion that, well, anyway, we're next door, uh, we're gonna be fine if the war is over. It is not over. It is going to haunt you later on if we do not stand together hand in hand fighting this aggressor, this uh, inhuman, unjust war. So there it goes. And it's, it's disturbing. And fear does a lot. And when I saw this movement taking a new life of its own, it, it began to scare me, right? And, I mean, there's a lot I could say about this audio. There's, there's a lot of things, you know, we could unpack here. But <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get into that maybe in another episode. But immediately I started to see that we were headed in a very dangerous route. When you get people to be afraid, you could get people to do anything you want. When you get people to think that there's an entire ethnic group, an entire nation getting ready to kill them, you could get people to do a lot of stuff, right? And it's not just, again, wrong, it's irresponsible. Uh, when you're talking about um, things at this level, you've got to be cautious of how to address the problems. You can't just be saying stuff like that, especially as an adult, as a mother, that people you know look up to you about. But you can't overreact either. Right, You can't underreact, but you should not overreact. So I thought the appropriate response to this fear was letting people know, look, I do not hate you. Like, Regardless of what you're hearing on the streets and on, on, on these like, 
you know, interest groups and online and what people are telling you, especially to the to grand youth. I wanted them to know, at least I don't hate you. And I could swear to you that there's a, a large group of people I know for a fact do not hate you. The problem has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the group, TPLF. And even then, I knew a lot of people in the initial phases that didn't really care about TPLF either. And they were just going about their everyday business. So I, so I thought it was important to send out a message to let people know, look, I know you're being told that, you know, there's a, a large group of people that hate you and that are trying to kill you. But I'm here to let you know, I don't hate you and I don't want to see you die. So I started making sermons around this approach. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't received well with all parties. Just like the politics right now, whenever you take one stand, you're going to get a group of people to praise you and other people to condemn you. So when I started making these sermons, of course, a lot of Tigrayan youth reached out to me and, and thanked me. Um, people were like, wow, at least there's one person out there who's speaking the truth. And on the other spectrum, the anti-TPLF folks, man, oh man, I got a lot of heat. I got a lot of heat. I got a lot of fire. And, and one sermon in particular that rubbed people the wrong way was when Abi uh, took the military into Mekale, I saw a lot of people celebrating the, the end of the TPLF era. Of course, this was premature. We know that now. But at the time, people really thought it was the end of the TPLF era. And people took the streets and were celebrating. And my point then was, this is such the wrong message. Because like I told you, I spent time listening to what the Tigrayan youth were being fed, which was people hate you. Like Ethiopians hate you. Specifically, Amhara tribe hates you. This was definitely a message that was being pushed to the Tigrayan youth. And right when Abi, uh, the military went into Megale, you saw young, uh, you saw a lot of people celebrating. This was the perfect propaganda to point and say, look, they're celebrating the fact that your, your ancestors, your uncles, your aunts, your, your family, they're dying and they're celebrating it. And that got twisted. It got twisted. And, and I believe it was a missed opportunity because that should have been the moment where we connected on a human level. That should have been the point to say, look, I hate TPLF and TPLF is a terrorist group, but I'm so sorry it came to this, that we had to um, come into the, the region of Mekale where your family is at. We apologize and we stand with the Tigrayan people. That should have been the message that that should have been preached at that time. And I stand by it today and say it was a missed opportunity. You guys can get mad at me all you want, but I stand by it. It was a missed opportunity because I'm trying to get into the psyche of a Tigrayan youth. Imagine you're an 18-year-old Tigrayan who's told all around by the people you respect, the clergy, your family, that the Ethiopian, the Amhara people, they hate you. That's what you're being preached. And I would 
say that if I was an 18 year old kid being told that my initial reaction would be denial. And then I would say there's no way. But then if I see people celebrating the fact that the military came into my region, it would confirm everything that I've been preached to the past however many years or however many months. And that was the problem. And I think that's when lines were drawn. But having said that, I think that my biggest problem became just how mean we were on social media. Like, again, first of all, understand that, like, I have a right to have an opinion, right? Like I said, number one, as a deacon, I do have an obligation to talk about the current circumstances. But you don't have to agree with everything that I say, but the amount of disrespect that I received was insane. And for me, being, you know, in public, like I get a lot of like just ridiculous messages all the time that I just ignore. I don't I don't let it bother me. And it doesn't. But it's like people I knew, people I respected who were messaging me like really mean things that hurt me. And I, I talked about it in my previous book. I've been bullied as a kid. So whenever I, I see hurtful words, it really it's a trigger for me. And uh, it takes me back there. And I'm not saying this to say, like, don't ever disagree with me. Don't ever say that. But there are certain things that are uncalled for. Like, there's this one guy. I really looked up to him. I really respected him. And he sent me a message saying, if you care about peace, close your doors and pray. You know, it's like those kind of, like, the people that I looked up to, the people that I respected. Some of my Sunday school students, like, I was going to see you on Sunday. And then... You know, on Saturday, you're you're messaging me something really mean and hurtful. Why not pick up the phone and say, hey, let's talk about this. I respect, you know, I don't want to say his name because he doesn't he doesn't like to to be in public. But there is one person um, who picked up the phone and he called me. He said, look, I've been seeing everything you're doing. What's what are you trying to accomplish? And I respected that because this wasn't somebody who's just trying to be mean. He was just trying to have a dialogue. And especially if you know me, you may not agree with everything I do, but pick up the call, the phone and just call me. But when whenever it gets to the point where, you know, we're being disrespectful on social media, that that's that's bullying. And like we don't have like we're we're past the bullying phase. Like we know what bullying could do. And I was very heartbroken when I saw that. And all this to say, I just it broke my heart to see the people that, you know, I love and the people that I respect going down this lane, seeing this division over something that didn't need to happen. So I decided to write a book and my initial goal was to be a sermon of sort just to say what happened to humanity. Why are we speaking to each other this way? Of course, the book kind of took a dramatic turn and that's where we're going to stop today and see why it took a d dramatic turn and kind of uh how it um took the shape that it did in the final uh period so having said that um i want to encourage everybody if you haven't got my book get my book um follow me on instagram and twitter dmuluneth and again if you want to be a patron and support 
I, you know, I, I, I would appreciate that. And those of you who, who are supporting me, you have no idea how much that gets me through a lot of the projects that I work on and just everything that I do. So thank you again. Again, if you want to be a patron, you could uh, support at patron.podbean.com forward slash Darut Muluna. Thank you. Have a blessed day and uh, stay tuned for our future episodes. Mm-hmm.